1: Broadcast system. Hello, and welcome to the 110th annual Subliminal Deception podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal
0: Phil. How are you doing, good buddy? How about yourself?
1: Not doing too bad. It we had one nice day, uh, you know, pretty hot, 90s, whatever. Nice. And then today it was <laughs> 60. 50s again so it's kind of cold. I don't know the weather here can't seem to make up its mind. How is uh your weather?
0: It's been uh it's been a little cooler this week than it was last week. Today it was actually pretty cloudy and humid out. So I think it might actually storm tonight. It's looking a little orange outside right now. So
1: Oh yeah. Uh you know what I was going to say? I I haven't listened to Small Town Murder in a while but one of uh our fans Candace runs the the little thing where they read off like um, real estate report, right? Yes. And she posted a, I know you were kind of looking for a house in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, She posted that one Apache Junction, $80,000. Hell
0: yeah. Pick that bad boy up, Phil. Yeah. I actually have people who work where I work, some of my coworkers who have been trying to talk me into moving to Apache Junction. They're like, oh, dude, the housing there is so cheap. It's so great. And I tell them, like, dude, if you want to live in a trailer, yes. They try to tell me that it's not all trailers. But then I actually listened to that small-town murder from last week about Apache Junction. (laughs) And I had all of my coworkers who live in Apache Junction listen to that real estate report, how they were giving shit about uh, the housing out in Apache Junction, how everyone lives in trailers. They seem to think that Apache Junction is just the upper middle class kind of places like where around where they live and like the really nice like parts by the mountain. They don't think about the the, you know, rows and rows of trailer parks. So,
1: well, at least that one house wasn't a trailer in her little thing, as far as I could tell from the pictures.
0: Oh, OK, yeah,
1: but it was like it's thousand foot rancher house or whatever.
0: But uh but yeah, is that far from where you live? It is Apache Junction, so I live in Mesa, which Apache Junction is even further east uh, than Mesa. Mesa is like the most far east of the valley of the you know the Phoenix metro area that you can go before you're out in the fucking desert. But Apache Junction is like beyond that. It's mm. like the frontier. Of Phoenix
1: so gotcha okay uh speaking of Phoenix I you you were briefly bringing up that you are concerned
0: about it's, a local sports team yeah so the Phoenix Suns they uh, they took game one I don't know how many people of our you know how many of our fans actually pay attention to basketball they're the number two seed in the playoffs they're playing the Lakers who are the seventh seed they were doing really really good the problem is now their point guard Chris Paul injured his shoulder And he has not been the, you know, the great basketball player the past two games since he's injured his shoulder. So I think the Phoenix Suns might be in a little bit of a trouble. We're actually, they're going to have a game tomorrow night. So we'll know if they are down two to one or if they're up two to one by the time this episode comes out. So,
1: well, okay, they'll uh, they'll be sending you good vibes, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you do to cheer on the Phoenix Suns. They haven't been relevant since uh, big ass Charles Barkley was there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't. I mean, they did have Steve Nash for a little bit, um, and he like their team was really good, but they never really made it anywhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, since Charles Barkley was here, they haven't really had like a great amount of success. So it'd be great if they could keep this team together next year, maybe build upon it, but. I think it's one of those deals where it's either win or you're going back to rebuilding. So
1: well, if it makes you feel better, I'm pretty sure the Minnesota Timberwolves are like <laughs> literally the worst team in the league. I, I haven't paid attention, but I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, Minnesota's yes. just not not made for basketball, I don't
0: think. No, yeah, they have uh they have Carl Anthony Towns, He's like the he's one of the best centers in the league. They also keep getting this revolving door of other really good people in, but those people keep leaving, the moment that they're able to leave. So, no one wants to stay in Minnesota. So, who is that other guy they had on the team Wiggins? Wiggins. Yeah. Uh they ended up I think trading him away. And he's a he's a really good role player, but he's not the type that could like win you a championship. But they just need to like a conglomeration, like a confederation of really like decent players, just to help them at least, you know, get some buzz going, get them into the playoffs, not be the bottom of the Western Conference like they are well, every year.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to let you in on a little inside information here, Phil. Uh, right. Minnesota refers to Carl Anthony Towns as the Big Meow. because the it's, Big Meow. Yeah, because it's uh, his initials are, is it K-A-T
0: or is it C-A-T? I thought it was, it might be K-A-T or yeah. C-A-T.
1: So they call him the big meow for his cat, you know, Carl Anthony town. So yeah, he's, uh, he's been on the team a while. He's pretty, uh, people
0: pretty well known. Yeah. I mean, he does. I mean, he really good player. It's just, his skills are kind of being squandered in that, you know, on that team. So (laughs) hopefully they can get him some people or he can find himself on a new team. But
1: yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. The, uh, the Wolves probably suck. The Twins definitely suck. I know that. Mm-hmm. The uh Wild are currently in a playoff battle with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, so we'll see if anything comes of
0: that. Yeah. The Wild, I think our Minnesota's probably best chance at like becoming a championship town is the Wild. I mean, the Twins, they do kind of like knock on the door of the playoffs, but it's always is it the Yankees? That always shut it on them.
1: Yeah, for a while. Yeah. They haven't won a playoff game in like 16 years or something like that. Like a yeah. single playoff game. Like yeah, they literally. literally get swept, which is should be
0: really hard in baseball when you play like five games. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of happens to a lot of cities where all of a sudden, you know, they're just like Cleveland was just shit, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know. Cavaliers, they pick up LeBron James and it totally changes everything. Then, of course, he left and came back. You know, then he won his shit, but. Right,
1: knows. right. Well, anyway, speaking of. Uh, well, no, that's not a good transition. That's not a good transition. <laughs> speaking uh, of
0: the Great North.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of people who aren't good at basketball, but I forgot uh, <laughs> the Raptors won. Didn't they win like a year or two ago? Yeah, they won two years ago. Okay, well. Are you ready for this week's episode, Phil? Yes, let's go. We're going to be venturing into the wilderness of Canada to look into one of the most compelling UFO events in Canadian history. If the information we are about to hear is in fact true, it could be even more belie- believable than the famous Shag UFO event that we talked about in a prior episode. But first, let's learn about the environment that this UFO sighting is going to transpire in, Falcon Lake is located in the southeastern corner of Manitoba and very close to the Ontario border. Its location is about 95 miles from Winnipeg. Falcon Lake itself lies within the White Shell Provincial Park. So, I don't know, how good are you with Canadian geography?
0: I know that, uh, ooh, Jesus, Um, Manitoba, I think, is near the province of Saskatchewan. Uh, I don't know. I assume that they're all really nice up there. They probably, most of them have uh, drinking problems. They eat a lot, (laughs) like too much maple syrup.
1: Yeah, the Maltzons. They love the Maltzons.
0: Yeah, even? I wonder if you can even buy that shit anywhere but Canada. I don't know. I don't see it out here. I know. I remember you guys were always talk about Molsons, and uh, yeah, I never saw it out here. So I, I really do. I know they've been slowly
1: coming, but I've heard legendary stories about Tim Hortons and oh, yeah. I know they're slowly breaching into America. I hope they come because it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. You always heard it on like TV shows, uh, How I Met Your Mother. They always made fun of Tim Hortons. Because one of the characters were, was from Canada. So. Yeah,
1: Robin. Yeah, Robin. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know.
1: I've never been to Canada. I would obviously love to visit. Uh Winnipeg, I feel like I've heard it's a pretty nice city. Um, I imagine it's a lovely place to visit, but we got to remember, where we're talking about Falcon Lake, or Falcon, if you're one of those people, um it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, literally yeah. in the middle of nowhere. I guess... Canada in general is,
0: could be considered in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's a shit ton of wilderness out there uh, in that, that whole, you know, the whole kind of like America has, you know, just kind of barren land, but we have all the, you know, farms and, you know, small towns, cornfields, all like the middle part of their country is just a lot of kind of like the same. But I think in this area, it's a lot of mountains and a lot of wilderness. So yeah,
1: that's why Bigfoot hides up there. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Tax shelter.
1: (laughs) Falcon Lake is apparently one of Neil Young's favorite summer destinations. So much so, he titled one of his songs Falcon Lake. So all the uh, Neil Young fans out there, are you a Neil
0: Young fan, Phil? I am not. I'm actually... Younger than the age of 65, so nope, not not a young young fan. All right,
1: he's a little before your time. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Also, outside of the UFO incident, Falcon Lake actually had a movie, then TV show inspired by its name titled Falcon Beach, which aired in 2006. I'm going to read a brief synopsis of the show (laughs) and see if you can decipher what the fuck this is even about. It's time for summer at Falcon Beach, and it's May long weekend. You've got your town locals, Jason, Tanya, and Danny, and the out-of-towners, Paige, Lane, and Aaron. Tanya comes back to Falcon Beach after a modeling career. Jason can't believe that she came back. Danny runs the arcade with his younger brothers, and Danny just cannot seem to share his feelings with Aaron. Paige gets dragged to Falcon Beach by her mother, whose family had a cottage at Falcon Beach for years, and Paige would rather be working at her father's business. Lane gets into trouble with the local police, so I'm guessing it' like really shitty version of Degrassi.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like. It feels like that was a like a mash together of the synopsis of every single episode in the first season. They kind (laughs) of they kind of gave you like the entire rundown of everything. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I I, imagine it's kind of like like Canadian Baywatch, just with a lot more meth in it. You think meth's big in Canada? Oh, I imagine. I imagine it's just like uh, in the Midwest. They got a lot of meth up there.
1: Well, if anybody, uh, first, let's thank uh, the people who reached out to us and sent us emails about the school lunches around the world. That honestly, that was awesome. I loved reading that. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, if any of the international listeners know of this show, message us and let us know because I would love to hear if this was a bu- if this show was like awesome or if it was shit. I have a feeling it was shit, but I don't know.
0: Also, let us know if meth is big in your country.
1: Yes. Yes. Please do that as well. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) For research purposes, we need to know. (laughs) Of course. All right. Well, let's get into the UFO event itself that would become known as the Falcon Lake incident. Um, All the UFO things are always called incidences for some reason. Not -hmm. really sure why, but uh, anyway... Through my research, I have found much like almost every story involving UFOs, every retelling of the story is slightly different, and the Falcon Lake incident is no different, but at least at the core of all these stories, the main points still remain intact. So if anybody out there has heard of this, keep in mind I've kind of stitched together the most logical series of events that happened but they kind of, you know, the game of telephone seems to alter the story uh, mm. a little bit. So just keep that in mind.
0: So this is kind of like the Venn diagram of all of the different stories put together. Yeah, basically. Kind of, oh, okay. What the, they all share.
1: Yeah, the, I just kind of put together the one uh, that made the most sense, more or less. Okay. The story involves a 51-year-old man by the name of Stefan Mikolak, who is a Polish immigrant who is currently working as an industrial mechanic, but he had a side hobby that often took him into the wilds of Canada. Stefan's side hobby was being an amateur geologist. Now, I was wondering, do you consider yourself an industrial mechanic?
0: When you were saying, uh, no, I am not an industrial mechanic. When you were saying that, He had a side hobby. I was sure that you were going to say hitchhiking prostitute, (laughs) but yeah. um, Amateur geologist. I don't know. Maybe he goes around and looks for like agates or something. Uh, You're Um, on the right track. Maybe industrial mechanic. I mean, yeah, technically, uh, I guess it more or less just like working in a factory, but I would think that an industrial mechanic fixes the machines that are used to make the products. So they're, you know, someone say if there's like a big conveyor belt and it breaks down that send things down the line, you would be the person who fixes that conveyor belt. Not exactly the person who uses the conveyor belt to put things together. So
1: gotcha. Okay. That may, okay. That makes Mm -hmm. more sense. I, okay. Okay. For some reason, I just figured like someone who disassembles or fixes things or like whatever, I guess essentially what you do but that makes more sense then. Maybe he works on industrial machines or something like you said, something like that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah where I'm working, we have um, issues. Sometimes our parts washer needs to get fixed. And every time that we put an order for it, the same guy, the industrial mechanic comes around and kind of gets it back working for us. So Hell I yeah. imagine it's that that type of person.
1: Gotcha, okay. The story begins on May 20th, 1967. Stefan had several mineral stakes out in the woods near Falcon Lake. And being that it was the May Long Weekend. Now, I want to stop here one quick second. I don't know what a May Long Weekend is, but they like never quit talking about it. Any idea?
0: It it might. uh, I mean, maybe it's kind of like their spring break. Like, when the weather actually starts to turn in Canada, that's when everyone just, like, wants to take off of work, have a nice (laughs) big weekend.
1: It must be a national holiday. I I know we got Canadian listeners out there, and I'm sure they'll let us know. Um, But it's, it's just very weird. I keep seeing that over and over. The May long weekend. I guess technically, right, this weekend, we will have a long May weekend, right?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it's because in Canada... During May is when the snow starts to melt, and it gets up to 45 degrees, and everyone wants to go to the beach <laughs> that get that good mess.
1: <laughs> that could be very true. Now, when this all started, Stefan was near a vein of quartz located along a place known as the Precambrian Shield. No idea what that is. I'm assuming it's a region of Falcon Lake. Any ideas? Well,
0: Precambrian, that's like kind of like a time in geological history. Um, so I imagine that there's maybe like exposed rock there, kind of like how rock is, you know, for geology, rock is layered and you can kind of tell like where different fossils come from. Um, like, so, so say like the really, really old, old ones are just going to have like the tiny little, you know, fossils from, you know. Like the very first multicelled organisms, all the way up to like dinosaurs and mammals and bigger, you know. So I mean Precambrian shield, maybe that's just where the Precambrian era kind of like exposes out of the rock. Very
1: valid point. I I'm guessing you're probably onto something there, Phil. So maybe this type of quartz is from some sort of uh you know, whatever year, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're not geologists. We don't know. But uh, no, that was just a best guess that I came up with. I don't know if going out and farming minerals sounds fun to either you or I, but uh, good on you, Stefan. Yeah, it sounds relaxing. It just sounds like it would after the first time, you'd be kind of bored. (laughs) All of a sudden, Stefan began to hear a large gaggle of geese located in a pond nearby start to honk vigorously. Being the good Canadian man he was, he knew this meant danger must be nearby. So Stefan ended up looking up into the sky and laying his eyes upon something that would change his life forever. So what do you think
0: he's about to be looking at here, Phil? It's weird that he would look up in the sky. I would definitely be looking around for a bear if I heard all of a sudden all of the (laughs) fucking geese went crazy in (laughs) Canada. If I was in Canada and all the geese went crazy, I'd be like, oh shit, is there a fucking bear? Because I would always, <laughs> always assume there's a bear around every tree.
1: So Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of them up there. I don't know why he looked up. He just said the geese were going honking wild, and just he <laughs> he looked up. Also, I always wanted to know, who the hell decided to
0: call him a gaggle of geese? I don't know. I have no idea where those, like, the group names of animals, like, what is it? Uh, it's a Congress of Owls. And uh, murder of crows. That see kind of that thing. one's metal as kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I one's like that awesome.
1: One. But uh, a Congress of Owls. Interesting. Okay, it's
0: either Congress or Parliament. But yeah, it's one of those two because <laughs> they look I'm, so noble.
1: I was gonna say you could see a shitload of owls sitting in either a Parliament or a Congress. You just could. You could just see it. Yep, definitely. Just taking up
0: space, just like our uh, our senators
1: do. <laughs> When Stefan gazed up, up, up into the skies around Falcon Lake, there were two cigarette-shaped things with humps in the middle emitting a reddish glow and just floating almost weightlessly in the air. According to Stefan, the objects were roughly about 45 meters away from his current location. Shortly after looking at the object, one then descended and landed on a flat section of rock while the other took off at a high rate of speed and completely just disappeared there. So we're going to get into it here, Phil, but you can see the picture there. He describes them as cigarette-shaped things with humps, hmm. but uh, his little picture here... It's looks just, more like a flying saucer. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know if just at the time that was the best way he could describe it, but it kind of looks like your traditional
0: flying saucer shape yeah it's kind of i mean 45 i was gonna say this really quick 45 he said it was 45 meters away that is insanely close yeah he,
1: he he's
0: about to get real close to this thing oh okay yeah i mean it's just that's like i'm trying to think the in yards it's pretty close 45 meters and yards are like pretty close to each other so it's almost like half of a football field away which I, well, to be that close to a ufo you know that's pretty fucking close
1: oh yeah well let's see it would be what a hundred and because what one meter's three feet right
0: well, one yard is exactly three feet. I don't know if m- oh, meters dear. and yards are close, but they're not exactly the same. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, um,
1: I this is bad logic, but I think from up to 50 meters, you can hunt an animal with a shotgun. So <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, that's pretty close. I think, I think, <laughs> I don't know for sure. I, I believe you can. Like if you were hunting a deer, you'd have to be, I think within 50 meters to shoot it.
0: Or if you're your cousin, Josh, you can also maybe use an old pickup truck.
1: True, true. Well, you got to remember, according to him, it's always the deer ran into the pickup truck. It's never his fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, Stefan ended up doing something that is either incredibly smart or it makes you question the validity of his story. He would later claim that because he believed initially This must be some sort of secret U.S. military experimental craft. Stefan just got comfortable and began to sketch what the craft looked like that was sitting on the rock for the next 30 minutes. Now, the drawing here, obviously, you're going to post this to social media, but this is what he sat and drew for 30 minutes. Like, this craft was just chilling there for
0: 30 minutes. How do you feel about that? 30 minutes? I mean, did he— did the craft, like, did the aliens inside order a pizza? <laughs> like, what were they doing sitting there for 30 minutes? I mean, I having get- some Having some Moultsons. Having some Moltsons just enjoying the Canadian wilderness, I guess. But that's that's a fucking, that's a long time. And you're not even going to get like a little, you know, I mean, I've, with a, with a, you know, flying saucer, if you, if you kind of prescribed that, you know, whole, all the theories, maybe time was a little different for him. So maybe it was only there for like a few minutes, but it felt like thirty minutes. Like maybe his time was fucked up. It could you know what it very well could be? I don't know. Um But but thirty minutes for it him to just sit there and not get scared either. I mean unless the thing was looking at him too and doing some kind of mind fuck on him to make him not run, you know. Well,
1: I think because he came to Canada, my understanding he was in World War II and he came to Canada after the war. Um, like maybe he was, I don't know, used to warfare and stuff. And he just assumed this was a military craft. I i don't know. You, you know what I mean? I, I don't really know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he didn't at first think it was aliens. No, so no, 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 no. Definitely he- as- assumed it was, you know, terrestrial. But yeah. I mean, God, even if. If you grew up in Poland during World War II that would mean that you were probably had to interact with the Nazis at one point and the communists at one point invading your country so I would think you would run if you, you know what I mean like or maybe he loved the US and if he thought it was a US craft it meant him no harm maybe that too
1: Well he's so he he's like really big on like he thinks this is from the US which you're about to learn here in 2 seconds Okay. Um, eventually Stefan decided to get a little braver and eventually decided to walk up close to the craft while it was still sitting on said rock. And this is when things start to get really weird. Stefan claims when he first approached it, he was looking for some sort of branding on the craft, such as NASA or U S army or Obama or something like that. But yeah, didn't seem to have any notice, n- anything noticeably written on the outside of it. It was basically just sheer, and what he would go on to describe as a flawless steel finish. That's how he described it. The other interesting note was that Stefan said, as he approached the object, he could feel a radiant heat emitting from it, and also it had a thick stench of sulfur. So, the sulfur thing, I feel like's kind of new. I don't know if I've ever
0: heard that before. I have heard like the smell of matchsticks. I've I've heard that before, which is like that sulfury smell. Um, yeah. The, uh, I mean, a flawless steel. I wonder if it kind of like like stainless steel. How shiny it is. I wonder if he's saying like, it's shiny.
1: Well. Here's the thing I, because they have an episode of unsolved mysteries about this guy as well. And he's like actually talking about the whole thing. He's got a really thick Polish accent. So I don't know if maybe that was just like at the time, the best way he could describe it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a lost in translation type of thing. I don't know.
0: It might've meant like the, you know, how airplanes are made out of panels Yeah. And have rivets and everything. Maybe he just meant that it was like, it looked like it was a single piece of steel, like molded. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to get an idea of like how he was kind of like describing this thing. But I do believe that I've heard the, like the, the heat kind of like radi like feeling a radiant heat coming off of the crafts and the smell of sulfur in other stories before. Well, so
1: if if I remember, right, like pretty much, just like every other UFO sighting we talk about, everybody talks about, you know, that it almost looks like a singular piece of metal with no mm-hmm. rivets or anything. I'm pretty sure Stefan kind of believes that exact same thing as well. Just kind of like somehow it looks like one just sheer piece of metal.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, with the, uh, with the Radiant Heat, you just had a UFO episode, like, I think a few weeks ago where you were talking about the, the, the woman who got out of the car and was burned extremely bad from the radiation. So, I mean, nor this thing was sitting on the rock though. So maybe it wasn't exerting that much, you know, radiation or radiant heat, but I'm like,
1: part of me wonders if this guy's story is true. Maybe that UFO was like broke down or something chilling there. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's, Yeah, like through through all the UFOs we've talked about, it seems like if it is a UFO that kind of seems to happen, like, I don't know if they break down or like they're malfunctioning in some way or, you know what I mean? Something like that.
0: Or it could have been waiting to go, like, pick up a Sasquatch that it had sent to do its little probe missions, because that's supposedly what Sasquatches could be also. uh, uh,
1: Interdimensional time no, interdimensional alien creature things.
0: They're a little like scouts for the aliens is the kind of the, the idea of what they might be.
1: Perfect camouflage there, Phil.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs> no one believes
1: when they see it, so. True. Within a few minutes of Stefan approaching the object, the door on the craft began to open, and he began to hear some odd noises, which he believed could have potentially been the voices of the passengers inside stefan still under the assumption this was a u.s military craft yelled out yankee boys if you're in trouble i will help you he literally <laughs> yelled this was it just popular to call them yankee boys i don't know I,
0: yeah i don't know that's <laughs> yankee boys that's who knows they might have been from the south and they could have if it was a u.s military craft they were, you know, like airmen or soldiers from the South. Maybe they would have gotten offended by that.
1: Okay, if he was a soldier in the Polish army or whatever during World War II, would they have referred to the American soldiers as Yankees?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, possibly. That's I'm I mean, assuming. It would make sense, yeah.
1: But he found he wasn't getting any response from the craft, so he then yelled out a similar thing in Russian, Polish, and German but still nobody would respond. After the door finally fully opened, the lights coming out of it were so bright that Stefan claimed he had to lower the shades on his welding glasses he was wearing just to stop the blinding light. He couldn't see anyone inside, but claimed he could see various colored lights on an instrument panel, you know, as he was looking inside from the outside. So mm i i don't know it's uh now the welding glasses kind of tripped me up a little but i guess he uses them for the uh mineral mining or whatever
0: yeah if he's uh if he's say he's taking a pick and pounding on rocks maybe he's worried about you know getting one ricocheted into his eyes it's kind of what i was thinking i was looking at this really just thinking This just goes to show you how much better foreign schools are than the ones in America. If he was able to give her a spot, like, you know, in English, Russian, Polish, and German, he was able to, you know, say something in all four of those languages. Kind of, you know, shines a light on how shitty we are.
1: You know what's kind of funny about that, actually, Phil? Because you just mentioned if he was living in Poland, he would have to deal with the Nazis and the communists.
0: Uh, Maybe that's where he learned those languages from. And he moved to Canada, so yeah. he went ahead. Surprised he didn't know French too. <laughs> I don't think the
1: French are allowed in Manitoba. Oh,
0: yeah, they want to keep
1: them over in
0: uh, in Quebec. Keep the keep them out of uh, keep them out of the middle. Yeah, they don't like Maltons there. So <laughs> no,
1: they're Maltons are for white trash people, according to the French Canadians. Oh, okay. <laughs> we need to get some of these Maltons in, like. Just see what they taste like.
0: Yeah. Um, There's, I think you can order beer online, like, you know, those international beers and kind of have them sent anywhere. My brother actually got, there's an OPAT beer.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Like
0: Central Europe that he actually had shipped out to Arizona. So. Was it good? I'll have to ask him if it was good. I don't know if he actually enjoyed it or not, so. (laughs)
1: It's one of his, like, the shittiest beer you've ever tasted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just fucking terrible. Yeah. No, nothing can be worse than Steel Reserve. So Mm,
1: good point. That's fucking terrible. Good point. With no response and the blinding light coming through the door of the ship, Stefan must have assumed there had to be somebody on that goddamn ship. So he reached out his hand and touched the craft. The interesting thing was that Stefan was wearing some sort of gloves when he touched it, and he found that after he touched the craft, it was so hot, it began to burn the fingertips through his gloves. Perhaps sensing that Stefan had touched the craft, the craft came to life and began to slowly rotate counterclockwise. A powerful blast of either, Stefan claimed, some sort of gas or air then came from the ship, and knocked Stefan to the ground. The ship then rose up into the air, and within a split second, it was out of sight. So, I don't know if they were sleeping here. (laughs) Like, I don't, I really don't know. It's like, he touched it, it burnt his fingers, and then it's just like, you know, the
0: fucking thing is just like, boom, gone. Yeah, maybe uh, two of the aliens were kind of on a date, just out here, you know just stopping on the side of the road just for a little little hanky-panky, and all of a sudden someone knocks on the door. They, oh, fuck, just start the car and get the fuck out of there, <laughs> kind of that situation. So maybe they just slam their hand into a button and got the fuck out of there.
1: Maybe Steffi should have been like, "Anybody fucking in there? <laughs> and they would have got yep. a response. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very strange. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I don't... Do you think... A UFO craft would have some sort of like I don't, external monitors that tell us when somebody touches it.
0: Well, I assume that it's weird enough to think that they would let him get that close to the to the craft without getting the fuck out of there, or you know, a little show of force type situation, something like that. Um, but yeah, I can imagine once he once he touched it, there was probably a fucking proximity alarm. That got it the fuck out of there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just like, oh shit, the fucking wild. You know, they probably think of humans as just you know these dumb, crazy, like monkey-like creatures, and <laughs> so I assume well, they probably thought they were in danger.
1: Well, the two things are like, let's say this guy and the Travis Walton one. I think are the only two that the story goes that they touched the craft actually, and mm-hmm. both of them got fucked up. From like uh, whatever defense thing happened, like he gets a knock back. Travis Walton got zapped. I remember. That. I don't know if you're familiar with that story. But I think
0: I have heard that story before. Yeah, yeah.
1: we'll have to definitely cover that uh, sometime. But, uh, but yeah, I don't. There's something on it that just you you know you can't touch it.
0: Well, that seems like it was the propulsion system that more like, blew him the back. The craft, the craft getting the fuck out of there. And the, you know, whatever, whatever the vehicle uses to lift itself, it sounds like that's what burned him.
1: Right, so. right. Well, it, it, his hand got burnt and then when it spun up, it kind of shot him back and his shirt caught on fire, which we'll kind of mm. talk about in a second here as well. So, <clears throat> but once the craft was completely gone and out of sight, Stefan found himself feeling quite disoriented and he had burn marks on his body. And was also apparently vomiting all over the place as well. So he decided to make his way back to the hotel he was staying at that was located nearby. So he pulled out his compass, you know, to use it to find his way back. And found that his compass was just sitting there spinning and going fucking haywire. So he had to just use his best judgment to make his way back to the hotel he was staying at. After which he took a bus back to his home located in Winnipeg. After Stefan finally got back home, he wasn't doing so hot. He felt really ill and had weird burn marks all over his body. His son, who was only nine years old at the time, remember seeing his dad after he had returned home. His son claimed that his dad looked pale and haggard, and he said this, When I walked into the bedroom, there was a huge stink in the room. Like a horrible aroma of sulfur and burnt motor. It was all around, and it was coming out of his pores. It was really bad. Now, you see the two pictures here, right? We'll yes. talk we're gonna talk a little bit more about what happens to Stefan, But obviously you can see this is his shirt that got burnt up that he threw off after getting knocked back. And then this is his body, and the little black marks on his stomach are his burn marks. What the hell burns your body like that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It kind of looks like the exhaust grate on a machine. Mm. Mm -hmm. That kind of what it reminded me of at first. Um, Okay, could he have had too many malts and fell onto a waffle iron? He may have been uh, enjoying, (laughs) you know, some nice... uh, methamphetamine that he had picked up go. in Winnipeg. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he accidentally burnt the fuck out of his shirt and had to come up with a crazy story. There you go. This is,
1: this is one way to explain his dumb mistake while high on meth.
0: That story's so crazy, it has to be true, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> After this, Stefan would be admitted to the hospital and treated for burns on his chest and stomach and had the grid-like pattern of sores appear on his ab- abdomen Interestingly, he would be tested for radiation, but all of that came back negative. After he was released from the hospital, Stefan would suffer from diarrhea, headaches, blackout, and weight loss over the next several weeks. And like most UFO events, this is when the spectators started to descend onto the scene and it also brought the attention of some military figures, which always seems to happen, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, from all of his, you know, from what happened to him right away and all of his, the symptoms, it really sounds like he had some kind of like radiation poisoning. So possibly if he had went to an American hospital, they might have, you know, successfully found that. <laughs> what did
1: they do? Just pour Maltens on him and see if <laughs> if it bubbles on your belly, you got radiation. If it doesn't, you're good.
0: If the maple syrup just kind of slides right off of you, it means you have the radiation. If it just kind of sticks and pulls up to you, then you're fine. So <laughs> there you go.
1: They put a little pool of his uh, maple syrup in his belly button, dip their donuts in it. Hmm, I don't taste any radiation. <laughs> uh, after the RCMP and apparently the U.S. military investigated, they would locate Stefan's burned glove, his burnt shirt, and some of his tools nearby where he claimed the craft had landed at. Also at the landing site, they found there was a circle about 15 feet in diameter that was completely devoid of vegetation. So soil sample samples would be taken, and they were found to be highly radioactive. His mm-hmm. clothes that were found on the scene were also said to be highly radioactive. The interesting thing was what they found over a year later, and that was the piece of metal in the picture I have here that was somehow melted and fused into rocks. Um, they don't really have an explanation for how metal would get m- melted into a rock. mm mm-hmm. So I, I would imagine that takes quite a bit
0: of heat, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if the metal was molten at the time when it kind of like got into the, like melted into the rock, if it was molten, then hit on top of the rock, maybe kind of like dug down a little bit. Um, I could see the picture. You have the picture of it there mm-hmm. and it's a pretty small piece of metal. Yeah. But... Do they do any, I don't know uh, if they put on any, do they do any kind of like metallurgical tests on the metal or? Not that see... I know.
1: They just like, if you watch the unsolved mysteries, the guy, the investigators like holding it, he said something about it's not radioactive anymore and all this shit. I don't, I don't know. He still I... has this little piece of metal that they found. I don't know. It's uh <laughs> As his hair was falling out in clumps. He just got like tumors coming out of everywhere. It's not even
0: radioactive anymore. Looks like from the movie The Fly. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> teeth are falling out, fucking pouring fucking white shit out of his mouth. It's not even radioactive.
1: Uh yeah, he had it tested by the Chernobyl scientist, I heard, so and they all said it was no longer radioactive. Okay. And we'll kind of go towards the ending here. Now, Stefan found himself being pounded with unwanted attention for the rest of his life from curious ufologists, obviously. Mm-hmm. But until the day he died in 1999 at the age of 83, his story never changed. But in the end, Stefan will always believe that this must have been some sort of secret military craft, and he wasn't in the camp that believed it was aliens. So he's pretty steadfast with his belief that this had to be some sort of military vessel. Um, how do you
0: feel about that? Well, I mean, with all of the unwanted attention, it would be, you know, you're getting kind of lumped into that group that he kind of does sound like an old school type of guy you know i mean really doesn't want to seem like you know to be lumped in with a lot of like maybe he thinks of as like crazy people or kind of the people who he's, he was getting attention from so it would be good just to stick to your story if that was the case on uh, you believing it was a military craft just because you want it you know for the record i don't think it was an alien you know right that kind of deal
1: right he didn't want to perpetuate the I, I ufo people i guess i don't know <laughs> or like yeah. bring him further descending onto his personal life i i
0: don't really know yeah i mean maybe if he would have said oh yeah this was definitely ufos and made a thing out of it he could have you know made some money out of his story but it's it's one of those deals where he kind of stuck to his guns which is good for him you know he didn't he wasn't one of those assholes who just trying to, you know, monetize this. Right. So a lot of people would be like that. Would try you know, to get books and movies written about it and capitalize. So. You
1: know you know what the interesting thing is too on the unsolved mysteries episode, um, one of the guys there claimed that and you know, for the rest of his life Stefan had like those little scar bumps all over his abdomen. Like you could feel those that scarring pat that grid pattern in, of scars on his abdomen hmm. for the rest of his life. So I don't know <laughs> what the fuck that was. Um it's very weird. to be... you know, when you when you look on the Instagram post, you'll see, otherwise you can Google uh his name and find it pretty easy as well, but it's a very unique burn pattern.
0: Yeah. Um I mean, maybe it was like really deep burns to to, you know, damage the tissue that badly that it was you know, still kind of popping out after all that time. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a, just a crazy story in general. It, I mean, with the fact that this seems like a pretty even-keeled character, he's not trying to capitalize or monetize, and he still has the evidence to prove it till the day he dies. That's kind of... I mean, it's really odd. It kind of makes you think, like, more than the Neil deGrasse Tyson fifty fifty. <laughs> it's... Yeah,
1: know, I know. This guy... I don't, if you watch interviews of him, he's like super serious, like he's not, he just doesn't seem like that, I don't know, you know, when people get in that weird mode sometimes after they see UFO, he just seems like he just wants to keep mining his minerals, he doesn't care, <laughs> want yeah. to be involved with the UFO.
0: Yeah, he seems like, I mean, you see a lot of people who are interviewed about their supposed or alleged, you know... UFO flying saucer um abduction stories. And you can always tell within about, you know, 3 to 5 seconds whether they're full of shit or not because they have that look in their on their face when they're talking about it. Right. So,
1: right. That's so true. That's yeah. so true. Well, I have a few other little interesting nuggets of information here and uh this is something the US should do, you know, immediately, but uh in 2018 The Royal Canadian Mint issued a non-circulating commemorative $20 silver coin featuring the Falcon Lake incident. Now, this thing is awesome. I would love to have this coin. This thing is awesome. But uh, the current value of it is between $700 and $1,500. That's quite a bit
0: of money. Yeah, Uh, yeah. the problem is if the U.S. did it, you would see it on one of those infomercials, and it would just be a quarter that had a sticker on it, just like yeah. old Barry Satiro <laughs> when he did that. I would pay good money for a Barry
1: Satiro coin where like one side's him and the other side's a reptilian or something like that.
0: His reptilian time machine.
1: Hell yeah. yeah. The, uh The other, co- they have another coin that's like shaped like a UFO, and mm. it kind of has like a hologram. Effect on the front of it, which I guess is like uh, I can't remember radium or you uto- something like one of those chemicals that makes it glow. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but it, that one looks sweet. But again, that one's like a thousand dollars as well. Um, so <laughs> and it
0: also gives you fucking <laughs> ass cancer if it's in your back <laughs> pocket. So <laughs> that could be.
1: Now, much later, they would discover from the soil samples that were taken from the area. Uh, The reason that they had, or potentially had, a high radiation level was because there's a vein of radium located deep underneath the ground, but if this explains the soil, it still doesn't necessarily explain the burns that were on Stefan's body, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. So
1: that would kind of, the soil and all that would be, I don't know how much radiation radium gives off, but... It must be enough to contaminate the soil in the area.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would be enough to leave those burns on his stomach, though. It's no, like to start his start his shirt on fire and leave <laughs> those weird burns. I doubt that a vein of radium, especially with all of those people coming to the area and hanging out, and also not getting you know not getting sick from it. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it it just like radiates the soil but doesn't really penetrate further than that, I don't really know. But, uh, but yeah, that's one no. of the reasons why the soil uh, was radiated there. Now, there are some skeptics that try to make an argument that Stefan simply made up this entire story because he wanted to scare people away from mining his veins around Falcon Lake. But even if that did was true, he did the exact opposite of scaring people away. Yeah. So that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's, if he wanted to scare people away, he would have said that he was attacked by, you know, like a a a vicious animal, like a pack of wolves. Like, oh God, there was a fucking pack of wolves, you know, or a bear or a like a big mean bear that's, you know, in this little like guarding its territory in this area. You would say there was like a, a horrible wild animal, you know, something like that. You wouldn't say, like, oh, yeah, the craziest, most amazing thing happened to me. You better stay away from that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he could have just almost a dry county. Yeah. No Molson's allowed. There's Mormons living there and they took my Moltsons. <laughs> yeah.
1: No donuts either. That'll get, get all of them away from there. But, okay, Phil, I need to ask, what do you, how do you feel about this whole story? Do you feel. This is pretty compelling. Do you think there might be an explanation? What do you feel like? It's very
0: compelling. Um, like I said before, it I mean, on that whole Neil deGrasse Tyson thing, I mean, humans lie, obviously, but the the weird bird pattern on his stomach, um, if it if he did kind of like make a forgery of, you know, the the wound on his stomach, it looks like it would have had to come from like hot metal, almost like it was, you know, some kind of machine's exhaust that gets really hot and burns you. But I mean, it's really compelling, all the evidence. It is so odd, though, that he was tested for radiation poisoning, didn't have radiation poisoning, but he had all of the symptoms of radiation poisoning. And his shirt came back that as positive for radiation poisoning, the one that yeah. was burnt. So yeah. that's a little weird. That his clothing would have radiation poisoning, but not him.
1: Could it be because of the Cold War? Maybe they were just telling everybody it wasn't radiation. Like, could it be not to scare anybody? I, You know what I mean? I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, at hospitals at the time, maybe their ability to test for radiation in that area. Well, no, he lived in Winnipeg, so he lived in a big city. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's not like it happened in the '40s and they didn't know what the fuck radiation was. Like everyone in the '60s knew what radiation was. Everyone was worried about, you know, the Americans and the Ruskies firing nukes at each other <laughs> so, and what radiation does to you. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's kind of weird.
1: Absolutely. I don't know. It's just such a. It's just such a weird uh, UFO event. I I really like it. I think it's very. Very compelling and he just doesn't I know he just doesn't give off that vibe like he might be full of shit. You know what I mean?
0: Also, too, from your descriptions of him, he sounds like a solid witness. Like you were yeah. Yeah. yeah like absolutely. I like that. I like the fact that he doesn't you know he's just uh he's a normal dude with kind of a normal old guy hobby, you know, boring as fuck. You know. It's not like he's some crazy hippie dude who's always out there just trying to you know, live it up in nature and claims that he saw this, you know what I mean? Like he just, he seems, you know, believable, I guess you'd call it. So.
1: Yeah. He, he literally, the whole story is literally, he had an extra day off of work or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to go spend my, my time off mining, you know, whatever uh, he was looking for. And this shit just kind of happened in front of him. Um, I guess Falcon Lake at the time in 67, at least, would have been a very, very barren area. You know what I mean? So it technically yeah. would have been the perfect spot for a UFO to just kind of hang out because
0: you wouldn't think there'd be people nearby. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, from your description, it sounds really like highly undeveloped. I don't know how it is nowadays. But yeah, I mean... Up in the Canadian wilderness, it'd be a perfect place for a UFO. Just if it wanted to chill on the ground for thirty minutes, it, I mean, unless he was there, it could have chilled there for probably thirty, you know, weeks, thirty days, and been fine. No one's seen it. Maybe some geese and a bear, but
1: <laughs> well, apparently the geese are not fans of UFOs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, something just disturbed them. So
1: it's true. Most things do disturb them. Uh, yeah. We, I have a little pond, like. Very close to here, and they're always honking and raising hell over there. So I know they are a easily uh, disturbed bird. But uh, anyway, Phil, yeah. thank you all to all of our Patreons. I've seen some of you have gotten your cards or you've at least informed us about it. Thank you very much. If you would like to support the show and join the Patreon, Phil and I, We've been, we haven't gotten a new off-the-record out recently, but we do plan on doing it very soon. Sometimes life just gets a little chaotic. Uh, if you'd like to support us on our Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash subliminaldeception. If you want an easier way to find it, you can go to subliminaldeception.com, and there is a direct link there that will take you right to our Patreon. Otherwise, Phil, what, what else can they do on our website?
0: Well, if they want to be like some of the fans, uh, our overseas fans, who got a hold of us for our last episode, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. It's always great. I tried to get back uh, either that day or in the next couple of days. Uh, Life is, like Cody said, pretty hectic sometimes. They can also get a hold of us on our Instagram account, subliminaldeceptionpodcast on IG very much really appreciate all of the likes all of the shares uh the comments just all the love coming from the fans is really great to see that especially last couple of weeks we've been having a big bump in the amount of uh you know amount of listeners and the amount of people getting a hold of us so it's great you know things are really seeming to happen cody and i both have our own instagram accounts mine is sd pod phil cody you got one
1: Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub. Uh, I post memes on my story. Come enjoy them. Uh, The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. Does it really matter what you say? Just type in your favorite level of radiation poisoning. I don't really care. Uh, Or if you're a Spotify user, like it seems the majority of you are. All you got to do is hit that follow button and it pumps us up the uh, ratings apparently or the charts or whatever you want to call them. So thank you to everybody who has done that. I hope everybody enjoyed a little weird UFO event and uh, we will see you guys next
0: Thanks guys.